Welcome to In Your Area, a podcast designed by area to update, educate, and refresh realtors, brokers, and industry stakeholders on topics that matter most to you. Listen on the go, in your car, at a coffee shop, wherever your day takes you. This is a podcast designed with today's busy realtor in mind. And now, here's today's host, Jennifer Gilbert. Welcome to In Your Area, a podcast for Alberta realtors on the move. Podcasting from the boardroom of the Alberta Real Estate Association, I am your host for this episode. Realtor, be safe. I'm Jennifer Gilbert, Associate Broker at Coldwell Banker Cityside Realty in Lloydminster. I'm also President-Elect on the Alberta Real Estate Board of Directors and a member of the Area Professional Development Committee. This episode is a special one, as we have several subject matter experts in-house to share their personal experiences and expertise. This topic of realtor safety is particularly important to me because I have had some personal experiences. As opposed to living in fear, I feel it is better to live in a sense of awareness, uh, mind, body, and spirit. I think the best tool that you can use to keep yourself from being victimized is totally free. It should always be turned on and fully charged and it's called your gut, your intuition, your sixth sense, and that funny feeling, the small voice that we need to listen to. Joining me today is Deborah DeWall, President of Safe and Sound Safety Training and Consulting Limited and a former Calgary police officer of 18 years. And Lynn Duick, Victim Assistance Coordinator at the Calgary Police Service, Victim Assistance Unit number 598. Thank you, ladies, uh, both for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. I guess we'll start with um, with Deb. If you can just um, give us some just some suggestions of what realtors should be aware of in their environment. I love your opening because you're talking about intuition. So the two things are kind of tied together as far as being aware of your environment and also paying attention to your gut, your gut instinct, because they are linked. Uh, so it's kind of the more common sense tips. One of the things when I was thinking about realtors, the biggest thing that pops into my head is when you're showing a home. Making sure, number one, that you're never leading, meaning you're not going into the rooms first, that you're following. You can invite people with a wave of your hand into rooms ahead of you. I I always have this thought pop in of someone asking you to go see the dark room in the basement kind of thing. (laughs) That does happen. It does happen. And that is so avoidable for potential danger in that you invite them in first. Probably another thing from a prevention tip idea is... Get there early if it is, in fact, you're meeting someone at location A. So, you know, the the children's rhyme, stop, look and listen before you cross the street. It's kind of the similar mode in that you want to show up early so you can see your environment, make a safety plan before the client or prospective client even gets there. So you've walked the house, you've walked the outside, you know, uh, possibly if the neighbors are home, where your areas you could go to, where your exits are, where your exits are, um, where what we would call a choke point might be, meaning where you could get trapped in a confined space those dark creepy basement rooms as an example so getting there early uh allowing people having the realtors lead in so you're not getting um pushed into a a corner so to speak those are the two things that just kind of highlighted for me right away uh, as a start where we could begin through all those of course you're trusting your intuition absolutely 
Uh, even having somebody um, at an open house getting too close to you or being within your personal space, that should be setting off alarm bells. And and I think one important thing for realtors to remember is that this isn't just about women. Safety is not about women. It's about, uh, about both, both genders. Um, but that if someone is in your personal space or doing something to make you uncomfortable, that we tend to have this reaction that we need to be kind and we need to yes. be polite to them. Yes. But we can also just we can shut that down and and a, and a respect comes with that yes. when you say whoa step back you're in my space mm-hmm. yeah you can also try to just step back for a, a millisecond <laughs> if they don't get the social cue if there's no in, in nefarious intent involved if they don't pick up on that then you that's another signal that this isn't right and then you can take that next step of I'm needing a little space here. Can you please back up? And you're right. It is creating um, a respect, a confidence for you. If they thought you were going to be a victim, just simply by taking that action, you've become lesser of a target. With that body With language. With that body language. And, and I think we'll probably go back to honoring that gut mm-hmm. feeling, which, like you said, we tend to always or very, very many times let like the fact that we want to be uh, kind or we want to yes. be approachable come first and we, we, we push that down and 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 we have to be conscious of that and some of the options that you can take yes. if you are feeling that way. Absolutely. Body language is everything. Huge. Obviously picking up on what they're giving off, the standing too close, the perhaps suggestive comments that might slip out, you know, whatever it is, or even maybe even threatening, mm-hmm. powerful things, or they're obviously trying to intimidate you. So not just watching their body language, but also paying attention to yours. In many cases, victimization is a cause of power. So they are selecting their victims based on their perception. It might not be really, it might be one tough person, but for whatever reason, you're not giving that off that day, and that's a weak body language, weak verbiage, not a strong voice. So this is actually a prevention thing, paying attention to their body language, but also paying attention to yours, standing tall, standing confident, chin up. And from a sales perspective, that's good as well. So there's a value add there. There's, there's a win-win. There's and, a win-win. And when when you talk about the idea of making yourself uh, not look be that weak person, we, and you express um, that we're talking to, to men here too. We're not just talking about women being vulnerable. Yes. Men are also vulnerable in that respect, but they can also be vulnerable in a way that they may be in a situation where they are alone with a woman and that they're... Uh, behaviors or things can be misconstrued or somebody may be there to to set cause trouble you yeah set yeah. you up so you also have to be aware on the other side that you don't want to make yourself um in have yourself in a situation where you're being accused of something that is not uh which is not happening to. absolutely yeah yeah. So I guess the ideal, if a situation ever ever does arise, the ideal would be flight, right? So as opposed to fight, right? But knowing that, previewing that open house space, previewing that neighborhood. Um, one of the other pointers that I uh, always like to mention is having your vehicle be able to exit. Have somebody not be able to block you in. Um, have, a, have a good exit route, what if you can get out of the house. Right. Um, also, you know, not bringing things into the home like your purse or a a whole bunch of additional items and making sure that you're keeping your keys and your cell phone easily accessible 
um, to your body while, um, yeah. while you're in the open house. You're not leaving your car keys sitting on the kitchen counter for anybody to, Absolutely. to pick up and wander off. You know, that's yes. not a personal safety measure unless, of course, you leave the open house and you're in the middle of nowhere and your car is gone. Yes. <laughs> or you have no keys because they've been taken. Exactly. Yeah. Those points are part of training that we have for our volunteers when we go out on, on fast calls, on emergency calls. We, uh, all the, all the tips about parking where they're drilled into their hats that you you know you don't park in the driveway where where you could be blocked and that you have a way to way to to go again the purses all those things are may seem like it's it's overkill but you never know what what can happen it's just common sense and if you make that as part of your normal everyday safety plan uh, soon it's not you being it's not you being paranoid it's you just taking steps to be cautious Yeah, there's a big difference between paranoia and cautious. And it just becomes part of your routine. It does. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I feel like if you start, um, and awareness can be, it, it, it affects every part of our life from, yes. from grocery shopping, traveling, all these types of situations. But as opposed to living in fear, thinking, mm-hmm. oh my God, something can happen, I'm afraid. If you're living in that constant sense of awareness, um, when something does step out and and um, and really come in like oh that's different you're not um, it, it's not so fearful uh, it's and it's far easier for you to, to react it's almost like you've inoculated yourself against the stress of the real event correct because you're paying attention to it so you're not one of those people who uh, from out of nowhere uh, an interesting model that it would be really applicable for realtors, men, women, but pretty much everyone in general. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the Awareness Spectrum, and it was created by the U.S. military many, many years ago. Its purpose is to educate soldiers on what level of consciousness, what level of awareness they should be in at any given time. If you recall many years ago, 9-11, there were uh, many circumstances on the media where you'd hear, we are now in cold orange, or we're now in condition yellow. Does that sound familiar? Yes. So that's from the awareness spectrum. How it relates to us in our day-to-day life, it's five color codes, code white being the least amount of awareness, where, and we see this every day, walking down the street, um, and this applies to realtors when they're, she's she's indicating, for those of you who can't see us right now, her typing on her phone. So code white are people completely unaware, texting, and I can just picture realtors amongst everybody else doing the same thing when they're maybe waiting for someone to show up. And headphones headphones in. in. And so completely unaware, and those are the people who get victimized the most. Yeah, kick it up to code yellow, which is a calm state of alertness. I would like to suggest that's where people need to be. You're not paranoid. You're not looking around every corner expecting a bad guy to leap out at you because that's paranoia, which is actually unsafe because you can't tell fact from fiction if real intuition is coming in being a problem or if it's just something you're making up in your head so a calm state of alertness but you so you have the awareness that yes. there's a guy across the street yes and i've made eye contact with him but i'm not afraid of him but if he crosses the street and continues to come towards me that's where you elevate to yes. condition yes. what a lovely intuition <laughs> yeah, great segue you're exactly right so you go from the cautious uh, calm state of cautiousness to condition orange which is alarm it's not neither negative or positive, it just means something has happened. So you made a c- eye contact with that fellow across the street, and now he's directly making eye contact with you and coming forward to you in a fast pace. Something has happened. There's something you need to do in Condition Orange, and that is make a plan. So Code White is unaware, Code Yellow is a calm state of alertness, Code Orange is alarm, and make a plan. 
So he's coming towards me now. I'm going to make a plan. Either I'm going to confront this head on, put my hand out and say, stop, what are you doing? Why are you following me? Um, all the way through to, is there something I can help you with? And if the plan fails, so if he continues at you, then you go to Code Red, and Code Red is action, meaning you have to implement the plan you created in Code Orange. In the worst case scenario, that could be in the situation of a personal attack. So what do you do if someone's literally attacking you? Now we're getting into that worst case scenario. There are two things, three things you must do if you're attacked. Number one, any guesses? First thing you must do? Eyes, oh, throat, you're going right. groin. Yeah, wow, I, love you. I knew I loved you for a reason. You're aggressive. I love that. You got to make noise. There's, there's, we're getting there. We're getting there. You're, she's excited. She, I can see it in her eyes. She sat up taller. Uh, you're right, but first we got to make noise. There's a couple of reasons. Obviously, you want to make noise to attract attention, um, but you also want to make noise even if there's no one around. We talk about that dark, creepy acreage in the middle of nowhere where nobody is. Uh, so even if there's nobody around to hear the noise, you still need to make noise because it does something for us personally. It actually makes us stronger. It's, it's a physiological response. It sends blood to your extremities, blah, blah, blah. Just know that it works. It'll make you stronger when you need it the most. So you're going to be screaming your full head off or yelling your full head off. And uh, then you're getting into the fight. What does that look like? It can be absolutely anything. My experience is post-Calgary Police Service. Uh, I've taught self-defense courses for decades now and we've always done the padded attacker have you ever seen that on tv you know where the guy dresses up and you've done it with victim service that's through our company so it's the adrenaline's going going out of your chest it's a fascinating experience because it's fake come on he's in a big puffy blue suit it it doesn't feel fake it doesn't you're you're you're, everything's going heart's heart's beating yes exactly And what I've observed over the many years of watching people, it never looks like TV. It's not, um, we've never taken a martial, martial arts bend to it because you actually revert to gross motor skills when you're under stress. We're now we're kind of a little bit blending into the freeze factor, which I'll sort of carry on about in a bit, but I want it to be gross motor skills. What it looks like in real life is people flailing, people scratching, people biting, kicking, punching, whatever it takes to get away. That's the third thing. Your main objective is to get out of there. So yell your head off, fight, and get away. Before I move on to that, so I don't care what it looks like, just flail. Uh, As a matter of fact, one of my favorite self-defense techniques is act like a six-year-old child who doesn't want to be picked up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where they've got arms and teeth and scratching and whatever it looks like, only enough to get away. Now, backing up a little bit, yell, fight, run away. The fight part I'm also going to add to that fight or not fight, but make that choice and make that ahead of time. What I'm getting to here is I believe personal safety really boils down to two things. Number one, having a clear bottom line, meaning having a decision made in your head ahead of time in this scenario, would I fight or not fight? How you do those things, of course, has to work for you with any kind of physical limitations you may have. But making that decision ahead of time with clarity and conviction is what will help you prevent what Lennon was bringing up is the freeze factor. Having that decision so you don't have to think it through in the heat of the moment. So in the case of the guy coming across the street, in your mind, you say, okay, if he gets to this point, I'm running or I'm I'm yelling and I'm running instead of letting him get that extra two feet close to you. And then you have to fight. Exactly. And when he's that close, now you're in a um, an extreme stressful situation right. where our motor skills 
leave us. So having that decision made ahead of time is critical. Will I fight? Will I not fight? Follow through with a plan that works for you, again, made ahead of time even visualized. And that can happen in a split second. Yes, that can it can. happen just as that person has mm-hmm. made that eye contact and now is coming towards you. You can, you can have that thought process happen. It doesn't have to be a written out plan. No. Nope. You can be showing a house yeah. and someone comes in, everything seems to be ordinary, and someone comes in when no one else is in the, the residence that makes you feel very uncomfortable. And that could be literally in that moment where you're thinking it through. This is making me feel uncomfortable. I'm not exactly sure why. doesn't really matter. I can pick it apart later. But if I'm going to say A and if he, res- he or she responds with B, that's when I'm going to make good my exit or implement the plan I created in Code Orange. Right. And there's so many different plans out there that we as realtors can can oh, access yes. when we're in, when before we're in that Code Orange. Yes. Where it's like, okay, that intuition is kicking in. Something isn't right. Having uh, a personal safety app, having a buddy oh, that yeah. you can text that is like uh, weirdo at my open house. And, you know, yeah. so maybe that's initiating uh, that buddy being in the neighborhood, driving over to visit the open house, um, making a phone call to you. Um, if you're showing a property, um, making sure that people know that there's someone expecting you elsewhere. So there's tons of plans that we can, we can put in place like it to, that we don't have to think about in that moment. Or even, even say that you're expecting somebody else to be there momentarily, even if it's not true, that puts a thought in their head that someone's coming here. So then if, and if we have those tools or have those in place ahead of time, then when we start accelerating into that situation where something is is um, getting uncomfortable, yes. we have the options are already built in for us. It doesn't take a lot of thought. It just takes the, this is wrong. I've got to move into this next tool. And it will come to you. If you've created that tool ahead of time in those stressful moments, they will come to you. Just that preparedness. That preparedness. Have a clear bottom line. Will you fight or not fight? Follow through with a plan that works for you. Yeah. And uh, and I guess th- uh, this would be a good point for me to bring in uh, an amazing book that I've been reading. It's called The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. Fabulous. Amazing book. Yeah. yeah. So this it's just um, amazing to read through. Deb was or Lynn was saying that the book is it's about twenty. I think it's nineteen ninety two or something yeah. that it was written. Yeah. I've been carrying it forever, and it's still solid as it was yes. then. Yeah. Totally applicable, and uh, and some great tools again um, for safety. All types of different safety, financial, um, and, you know, employment. It goes into you know disgruntled employees and yes. workers and all types of different amazing situations. Um, but again, having that information mm-hmm. allows us to build these tools so that when we are put in, in these situations, we have all of this information that we can go to. And the book really, bottom line, again, talks about your intuition, that gift of fear, and that we push that aside. We need to listen to that uneasy feeling. And again, it's not paranoia, but be conscious of it and and respect it. There's, I, I talk about this in some of my presentations where uh, and uh, sort of alluding it or attributing it to the gift of fear. People who are 10 feet tall and bulletproof, you know, the, the, the types that they think nothing bad would ever happen. You know, this is, you know, everyday common thing. Nothing ever goes wrong. So they, they have overdone confidence. Right. They are at a higher risk for violence 
because they will never see it coming. Yeah. It's like they've deadened or closed off their intuition. But on the flip side, and I've certainly met, uh, because I've worked with a lot of real estate uh, agencies in the past, I've met some realtors in particular who are on the other end of the spectrum where they have too much fear. Right. They have overdone fear. And that's where the paranoia comes in. And if you can kind of imagine this, the reason why they are uh, also in a high category for violence is because when the real signals come in, so that person's standing too close, the phone call sounded a bit odd, you know, whatever, they don't pick up on it because they're creating survivor, survival signals that don't exist. So when the real one comes in, they can't discern fact from fiction. Mm-hmm. So it's finding that happy medium of being prepared, having your ducks in a row, having your plans made ahead of time, and living in a calm state of alertness. Mm-hmm. You'll be more confident in your day-to-day life, not just at work, but walking to and fro and, and going out and experiencing your world. So you're not going to have that getting caught off guard by being 10 feet tall and bulletproof, and you're not going to be living that fearful life that will limit sometimes your professional abilities. Because you don't want to travel, yeah. or you don't want to stay in hotels, or etc. So I guess that kind of leads into the fact, uh, and especially with the gift of fear as the book, tons of different uh, ways that that safety can affect us. Not necessarily just on a one-on-one in an open house, and there's another live body in the room with you. Yes. Um, but things like um, like harassment, um, constant phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I myself had a personal experience with um, some harassing text messages from a pay-as-you-can-go phone where there was multiple realtors in my area affected by this, and we'd reported to police, but we never made the connection between each other other that this had something to do with the industry, so we had no idea who this this fellow was. Um, So eventually, connections were made um, after, you know, a fairly long period of time where some of us were continuing to put ourselves at risk because this was a client that that we were going out and showing we just hadn't connected the dots um so there's there's other dynamics of of safety um again and going into that that tech the the technology aspect Mm, of it where where people can still have access to us so do you ladies have any recommendations on anything that we should be doing for safety for ourselves in the public eye from a technology perspective Oh my goodness, you've got material for a whole other podcast on that. Um, Of course, with social media, with all the benefits, especially in sales, there are some drawbacks because in some ways you're similar to, say, an occupation like home care workers or social workers, anyone who's visiting someone else's home, more than likely alone. And uh, many of the experiences I've had, certainly as a police officer, but also as owner of Safe and Sound, working alongside these industries, social media can be their worst enemy. Because people are talking about when they're going on vacation, when their homes are empty, um, maybe a little bit too much personal disclosure where they find your areas of weak points. You brought up harassment or stalking. If you put out there uh, every detail about where your dog goes to daycare, about where you run, um, the events that you attend, and someone has bad intent, you've just armed them with everything they need to know about where you're going to be, when you're going to be. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. And the fact that if you have a family, if you're a single, all those things are put out there for the world to see. So there, it is a double-edged sword in some really respects. So one thing that um, that has come up in different safety training that I've taken for realtors is to keep your po- personal social media yes. personal. Yes. So my personal social media page 
that goes into details about my life is very much uh, closed up for those people that are my friends and family. I have a separate business page where where clients and and the general public can access details generally about my education, my properties, the events, and my work. But you also, I think, still have to be aware, even if you have a personal social, you know, social, uh, say, Facebook page and then a a professional one, that it still doesn't guarantee that that information is going to be limited to the people that you have in in that circle. Because all it takes is a share or something else where where it goes out there. And it doesn't mean, again, that it's bad, but I think that there just has to be an awareness. There's potential risk. Anything you put online... Uh, there's potential risk of it coming back. Yeah. So professional realtor photos as well, making sure that um, that everything that we're putting out there is uh, is professional is going to kind of eliminate maybe some of those um, those people from approaching us. Sure. Uh, kind of one of the the lines I've always thought about when it comes to what you're posting. If you are comfortable with whatever you post being front page news the next day, then it's probably okay to post. Because there is that potential. (laughs) There is that potential, always. Yes. People can find out a tremendous amount about others in front of a computer should they feel the necessary, uh, should they find it necessary to try and track you down. They can. Join us next time for the second half of Realtor Be Safe.